0: joining us at Creative Church. We pray that this word blesses your heart and blesses your life. And if it has, I want to encourage you to feed what's feeding you and give to what's giving to you. The easiest way to do this is to visit creativechurch.com give. Thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you click on notifications so you never miss an encouraging word from Creative Church. Bibles. Go with me to Matthew chapter 2. Come on, Lord, let the Vikings win today. Do it, Jesus. I got one fan with me. All right. So Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today. So take notes. There's no way you're going to remember it all. And if you only listen to the sermon, typically you only retain about 10%. I'm going to talk for about 45 minutes. And uh, if you just listen to me, you're you're going to remember a little over four minutes, awful use of your time. It's not a real good use of your time. If you take notes, your retention rate goes over 60%. If you um, go back and watch it on our app, our YouTube channel, it goes to um, over 85%. If you tell somebody what you heard, the sermon's yours, okay? And so get it down in your heart so it's engrafted. The Bible said it is the engrafted Word of God that is able to save your soul. Amen? So Matthew 2 verse 10, it says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And they opened their their treasure, presented it to him. We don't know if there were three wise men or not. We don't know how many they were. The Bible doesn't tell us, but we know there's three gifts, okay? Uh, Gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country another way. I told you just the other day that God's first language is not English. God's first language is visions and dreams. God wants to speak to you through visions and dreams. So when you go to your children and say, what is God saying? A lot of times they say nothing. I don't hear God speak to me because they're listening for English. But God's first language is not English. God's first language is visions and dreams. Only two people in the Bible God spoke to audibly. The rest of the people he spoke to in visions and dreams. So you need to lean into that. What is God showing you? What is God what is God giving you in a dream and a vision? Joel says, unless they say, God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men and old men, what shall, shall dream dreams and see visions, come on. And so the future does not belong to men, does not belong to women. It does not belong to white people, black people, Asian people, Hispanic people are much like me. The future belongs to everybody, all flesh. Everybody say all flesh, all flesh. God is not a prospector of, of persons, but he is a respecter of principles. And if you do what God told you to do, you can get the blessing that God has for your life. Father, thank you for the word of God. Let it be Rama word. Turn the word now from logos to Rama. Let it be applicable in every area of our life. In your name we pray, amen. Come on, give him praise one more time all over the house. Come on. This is your last Sunday of the year. All right, let's go to work. So, this whole thought of, of giving gifts at Christmas really comes from this story of the wise men who give gifts. How I many of you gave gifts yesterday? Gave, isn't it something to see the, the faces light up? And, how many of you feel like you have the gift of giving? That when you you were more excited to give it than they were to even receive it, right? Anybody felt like that? You're just so excited about it. You have that gift of giving. How many people even wish you could do more? You're like, man, I wish I could have done more. You just you just have that heart of generosity. You have that heart of giving. You know, our family we we do it. You know, we we do it one by one. So each kid we open it up. And except for the twins, we got them out the way as quick as we could because they're a year old and rap you know we went through all their gifts in like ten minutes and because they they're going to turn into a hot mess in about twenty minutes, you know, so we got their pictures and got that done, and then we went through but my 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 second son Nicholas just blew us away yesterday and uh, and so we do secret Santa with the kids, so they each have a different sibling that they i don't know how they do it, I just work there, but somehow they just they figure out how to get the kids and so they uh they figured out the kids, and, and so Nicholas had a gift for every one of, of his siblings, but before he gave them the gift, he, he had written a prophetic word. And so he had a prophecy for every one of his siblings. Well, when we were done with that, everybody was weeping and bawling. It, everybody was a mess by the time we got done with that, because words are so powerful. Words can be one of the greatest gifts you can give people. People is to give people... The power of words. Do you know that you can say things to people that would bless them, cause tears to run down their face just because of the words that you spoke over them? And there are words that people have spoken over you that left you hurting and wounded and bleeding. There are people sitting in this room that have no self-confidence, have no self-assurance because things were spoken over them as a child that left them hurting and wounded and bleeding. And I'm sorry is not always a good band-aid especially if you were a child that was bullied. Typically, if you were bullied, that was one word that was spoken over you again and again and again and again. You're stupid, you're ugly, you're a failure, you'll never be anything, you're a loser. Those are demonic prophecies. And when they're spoken over our children, we need to put a word against a word. When the enemy opens his mouth, we need to open ours. Somebody say amen, parents. So we cannot allow that just to to go forth. And, And we need to let our kids learn to prophesy over each other. It was the most beautiful thing in the world is to see one of your siblings prophesy over another sibling and declare the word of God over them. And I tell parents all the time, get a prophetic word for your family, get a prophetic word for your children, because nothing shapes your children more than prophecy. Prophecy is to profess what you see. What do you see when you look at me, Daddy? What do you see in me when you look at me, Mommy? What do you see when you look at me as a brother or a sister? What do you see? Am I just an annoyance or is there a word from God? How many of you know there is a word from God? And we need to declare that over our marriages, over our children, and over our future. And, you know, in the Old Testament, I don't know if many of you know this, but in the Old Testament, gift giving was a huge part of the Hebrew Jewish culture, even to this day. I mean it was a massive part of the culture and and in the old testament it was considered an insult to go before a king and to not bring a gift it's just considered it was insulting to go before anyone of affluence or influence or a king and not bring a gift you just you, it just wasn't done it, it's so much so much so that in the hebrew jewish culture there's literally 15 words to describe gift giving 15 different words that that it so permeates the language it's such a big part of the culture is in generosity and giving gifts. Can you imagine if we had 15 different words in our language that describe giving gifts? Proverbs 17 and eight, write it down. It says, a a gift is like a precious stone to him who has it. And to to whomever uh, you give that gift, you'll have favor with them and they'll prosper you. That when you give gifts, it is a blessing. It blesses people. It can open up doors for you. That when you're really sincere in just, just kind words, I love you. You're amazing. You're wonderful. I tell you all the time, affirm people who are serving and volunteering, young people that are in God's house, that you could literally heal somebody with your words. You could heal your marriage today with your words. You could heal, you could heal your wife today with just words. You could heal your husband with words. You could heal a teenager with just your words. And so, you'll, you'll never be a person that heals with words as long as you're in pain because pain makes you selfish. Come on. The lights are on, I can see y'all. <laughs> pain makes you selfish. How I many of you want to be a healer? Come on, you want to be a healer. Well, the only way to, you'll, you'll never be a healer is as, as long as you're, you're dealing with pain because pain makes you look within. Pain makes you selfish. That's why when you go to the ER, everybody in the ER is selfish. Nobody's in the yard going, no, you go ahead. No, I've been waiting two hours. No, you go. No, you go. Everybody's like, hey, I was here first. I've been waiting. Because you're in pain. Right? So pain makes you selfish. So when you come into church, if you're in pain, you're you're typically wanting to hear something to help heal. Um, That's why you're looking at yourself. That's why you leave saying that was for... But once you get healed by the power of the Holy Spirit, how many of you know that there's power in the Holy Spirit? Once you get healed through the power of the Holy Spirit, now you can be a healer to other people. And if you want to know what God's called you to heal in others, look at what He's healed you of. Because we say often that when God heals you, He leaves a medicine inside of you to heal someone else. You're all called to be healers. On on Christmas and and going into New Year's and, and starting the New Year off, it's not just about giving presents that are tangible sometimes the greatest gifts are intangible the greatest wounds can be intangible so the greatest gifts can be intangible and so when we start to say what can I bring to my family what can I bring into my marriage that could be an amazing gift for most of us it is the gift of God it is the power of the Holy Spirit operating through you to heal your home Proverbs 18 and 16 this is probably one of the most famous verses uh, it says that a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. How many of you ever heard that verse? A man's, come on. A man's, come on, 1115, don't suck. Y'all doing okay? A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that verse. All right. So God has given you gifts. These people that just got on the stage, they're using their gift for the kingdom, They can be like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go to the club. I'm going to do this. I'm going to play over here and do that. It's all about me. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. But no, they're saying, I'm going to use my gift for the glory of God. I'm going to use it to to help lead people in worship. I'm going to use the gift that God gave me. We have teachers and instructors and people. Whatever the gift is, I'm going to use it for the glory of God. See, talent makes you look good, but gifts make God look good. What are the gifts that God has given you? What are the gifts that God's giving you? Are you using them for the kingdom of God? And it may not look important. It may not look like anything that's valuable. It may be just a rag and a rock. But if God gets with your rag and rock, David, you can take down giants. He'll take you places you never thought you'd go and open up doors that you never thought would be opened. And it just may be your natural. You may be here and you're 15, you're 25, you're, you're 38, you're 70. You just, well, this is just natural. It's a rag and a rock. But if God adds his super to your natural, then you can do supernatural things for the glory of God. Supernatural things is when God adds his super to your natural. That's all it is. See, see David David knew what it was like to consecrate himself in the presence of God. He knew what it was like to have a relationship with God. And he knew how to work his gift Keep your gifts hidden while they grow. Oh, Lord, that's so good. Keep your gifts hidden while they grow. Sometimes you can't tell everybody everything. Sometimes you, you mess up because you tell too much too fast. Joseph messed up because he told his dreams to people who didn't believe in him. Sometimes you got to keep your gifts hidden while they grow. When I share my dreams with people and they look at me like I'm crazy, I said, well, I just learned to never tell you my dreams again. <laughs> keep your gifts hidden while they grow. You can't tell every, everything to everybody. And, and, and David, David just had this rag and a rock, but he learned how to work his gift. You ought to have something that you know how to do so well that if they ever let you do it, it's over. If they ever mess up and give you the opportunity, it's over. Because where they made their mistake was when they let that little boy go run across that field, he lit that giant up because he knew how to work his gift. You ought to have something down inside of you that you know how to work so well that if they ever give you the opportunity, it's over. Your gift, your gift will make room for you. He, didn't even, he did not even go down there to become king. He went down there to take lunch. His father told him to take lunch to his siblings. Now, if there's anybody you don't want to serve, I, you ain't got to say amen, it. I know what I'm talking about. I know it's the truth. If there's anybody, I'd rather serve anybody than serve my siblings. And his father told him to get up and you go take lunch down there to your siblings. Now, if he'd had an attitude, well, I'm not going to do it. I'm better than that. Who do they think they are? But he had the heart of servanthood. See, because even though he was anointed, he wasn't appointed. And even though you may be anointed to do something, you've got to wait until your appointment time comes because God has to take you through things. God has to try you and make sure that you're prepared to handle it so that you don't lose what he's given you. Easy come. Unlike Saul, who became king in a week. Saul literally became king in a week. I was teaching this to the interns the other the other week. Saul became king in a week. In one week, he went from, from from wrestling goats to becoming king in a week. King of a nation in a week. If you became king in a nation, you could sell a book. Everybody wanna buy that book. How to become king in a week. Where do you get that book? You know how many followers you'd have on, on YouTube? On Instagram, everybody would follow you. How to become a multimillionaire. How to become the most influential person in the nation in a week. You'd be doing conferences. Millions of people following you on Instagram, TikTok, uh, books, be sold out. All of, everybody would want to buy that book. But Saul lost the kingdom. Saul lost the kingdom. You read Saul's life, he lost it all. He ended up committing suicide. David was anointed to become king. 15 years later, he finally becomes king. Maybe it was more than that. I can't remember. It's 15 or 18 years, something like that. He finally becomes king. Now, who in here says, hey, you want to be successful? Great. Read my book. 18 years from now, you'll be successful. (laughs) Nobody's buying that book. Nobody wants to buy that book. Nobody's going to your seminar. Nobody's following you on TikTok or Instagram. Hey, Here's the way, here's five principles to be successful in 18 years. Nobody's going to listen to you. Because everybody wants to be king in a week. Everybody wants to be king in a week, but the king in the week loses it. David never lost his throne. David never lost the kingdom. Grandmama summed it up like this way, easy come. Quit running after king in a week mentalities. Because even if you get it, can you keep it? You can get a woman, can you keep her? You can get a man, but can you keep a man? Oh, Lord. Just because you can sire a child don't mean you a good father. Let all the men say amen. It, it takes time to develop it. God starts everything in seed form. See, we, we want success, but God, God doesn't just give you success. God gives you seed. You know why God gives you what he's going to give you in seed form? Because when God gives it to you in seed form, it prevents fraudulent people from going after it. Fraudulent people will never run after seed because they want it now. They want the the woman now. They want the man now. They want the relationship now. They want the money now. They want the fame now because their motives are wrong. So God never gives you it in in finished product. He always gives it to you in seed. So the right people will still want it. Fraudulent people say, give me. But people who really want the things of God say, make me. The prodigal son said, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. After he had lost all of it, he comes back to the father's house and says, make me. As one of your servants. Am I helping anybody in here? Y'all ready to go? I'm ready to go. I'm hungry, so many of y'all ready to go. I ain't preaching this for my health, so y'all better wake up. We got we to go to God and say, God, make me, not give me. We live in a give me generation. I pulled out a notebook the other day, put it on the table, and I said to my kids, that this is what the world owes you, and this is what you're entitled to. It was blank. This is a comprehensive list of what the world owes you and what you're entitled to. Yep. Memorize it. There's nothing on there. In Him we live, in Him we move, in Him we have our being, and without Him we can do nothing. See, we can allow offense to rob us from the greatest possibilities and opportunities that God would ever bring into our life. Do you know, do you know how many people have lost relationships over offense? Some of the most wonderful relationships that God ever brought in their life, they, they weren't happy until they tore it all up over a fence. Offense is witchcraft. Do not carry offense into 2022. Thank you for the one amen. Offense <laughs> is witchcraft. Anytime you slam doors, you're, you give the silent treatment, you ignore people, you're moody. You are, you are basically unhappy with what they're doing, so you are going to withhold love, slam doors, ignore them, withhold conversation, to try to manipulate them to start acting the way you want them to act and behave the way you want them to behave, you are operating in a spirit of witchcraft. The Bible says that manipulation is as the spirit of witchcraft. So anytime I try to manipulate you by changing my behavior, so I'm going to manipulate you to get you to change the way you act, I am using witchcraft. I'm not flowing in the Holy Spirit. I'm not flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. I am using witchcraft to try to heal my home. I'm using witchcraft to try to heal my marriage. And you are becoming Satan's evangelist in your own home. you might as well be sticking pens in a doll. And you don't realize it, but your children are growing up in that. Three, five, seven, 10, 15, and they are watching, manip- they are literally, you are literally training your children to be little witches. And they become master manipulators at 12 and 8 and 7 and 17. That's why so many of you grew up in manipulation. And when, you, when your spouse disappoints you, you go into that because that's what you grew up in. And God needs to set you free. Am I helping somebody in here? You need to be set free from a spirit of manipulation so that you can be a healer in your home and not bring that with you into next year. You need to be freed from that. Freed from offense. Offense has robbed you of wonderful relationships. You weren't happy till you tore it all to pieces. God brought people into your life and you let a fence tear it up because you wanted, you wanted the oak tree and God gave you the acorn? You asked God for the oak tree and he gave you the acorn and you said, I asked you for the oak tree. He said, the oak is an acorn. And if you've got enough faith, there's a forest in the acorn. Despise not the day of small beginnings. God is not giving you the oak tree. He's giving you the acorn because only fraudulent people want the tree. People come in here in church, well, they want to serve. And I said, great, we need you at the door. And they think, that's a, they think that is an acorn, and they wanted to come into church and serve and be an oak tree. And I said, but I need you to be an acorn. And they walked out frustrated. They let offense, they, they, let the, they let the offense of the acorn rob them of the possibilities. Do you know who you could have met there? What God would have done? You don't know. You don't know. See, it's like the woman who, who, got, who, who refused to be offended. She said, Lord, do this for me. And Jesus said, It's not for me to give the king's bread to dogs. I should just do a sermon one Sunday called Offensive of Jesus. <laughs> Y'all think I'm offensive? Y'all would have left Jesus' church in a hot minute. In a hot minute. Jesus, Jesus was so offensive. Jesus even said the gospel is offensive. He said it's impossible, but that offenses will come. Okay? So Jesus said, it's not for me to give the king's bread to dog. He called her a dog. A dog. And this woman was unoffendable. She had purpose in her heart. I'm unoffendable because she wanted her miracle. See, what does Pastor Ivan say? When God gets ready to promote you, he sends someone to offend you. See, God is trying to dig up the stuff, all the stuff you're trying to hide. All the stuff that you got down in you, you trying to hide. God's trying to dig it all up. And you'll come in this church and he'll put you with somebody who will offend you to show you that that's in you. Because nobody can pull out of you what's not in you it's like when we was little kids at christmas we get a remote control car you know the old ones we had the cord from the remote to the car and you had to follow the car with the cord but then they got it was a remote control truly where you could be way back off of the car and hit the remote and the car moves and then like little kids weren't We like to operate on things, so we're not happy until we figure that that little thing up under the hood seems like a good thing to hack off, and so we're not happy until we have hacked it off, and then we go back and hit the remote, and the car don't move. And the reason the car don't move is because the remote now has nothing in the car. Jesus said, the enemy of this world has come against me to try me, but finding nothing in me. Jesus said, Satan couldn't do nothing with me because there wasn't nothing in me. See, if, 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 if all Satan has to do is hit the button and you fly off, it's because it's in you. It's, <laughs> nobody can pull out of you what's not in you. It's in you. See, I, I, I said that the other day about sin. Sin isn't around us. It's not around us like you walk by your car and you got salt on you. And you're like, oh my God, I got <laughs> salt. I got sin. got some sin on me. Sin, sin is not around you. Sin is in you. It's in you. You're not sinful because you sin. You sin because you're sinful. That's why you never have to teach your children to sin. The Bible says we are born in sin, shapen in iniquity. That's why somebody today tell me, like, well, I'm born this way. You know, I, I was born. You know, uh, physically a man, but I was born a woman. I was like, that's why you need to get born again. You need to get reborn, like me. I had to get born again because we're all sexually broken. You're born sexually broken. That's why we all have to get born again. Regardless, you have to get born again. Everybody in this room is sexually broken. That's why you have to get born again because you're born that way, you're born in sin. Jesus told Nicodemus Nicodemus at 2 a.m., you must be born again. How many of you know you've got to be born again? Next time somebody says, well, I'm born that way, say, yeah, that's why you need to get born again. You need to give your life to Jesus. It's not complicated. Do it or you're you're not going to go to heaven. You're going to go to hell. And I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to go to heaven. That's why you need to get born again. And Jesus sent me here to tell you that. And I'm not ashamed to tell the truth and shame the devil. Thank you for the three people that clapped. And this woman, she was so unoffendable. She said, but she said, but even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Yeah. Unoffendable. And because she was unoffendable, she got her miracle. Because she said, I don't need the loaf. All I, all I need is the crumb. See, if I had a loaf of raisin bread up here and I took a crumb of it and I took it to a chemist, and I said, tell me what's in this. Whatever they said is in the crumb is in the loaf. So if there's healing in the loaf, Amen. if there's provision in the loaf, if there's deliverance in the loaf, I don't need the loaf. See, some of us are so hell bent on the loaf that we won't walk away with the crumb. But the crumb is all you need. There's healing in the crumb. There's deliverance in the in whatever you need. It's in the it's it's in the seed. But we we look at. The, the the stage of it, the fame of it, the opportunity of it, and we feel like we need the loaf. And if we don't get the, the loaf, we got robbed. And that's why you live in offense. Oh Jesus, I feel like throwing my shoe in the crowd. Am I helping somebody? Just somebody say you're helping me. These are the gift. This is the gift of God. The gift of the Holy Spirit operating, that we need operating in all of our lives. And when it comes to gifts, like three things you can do with a gift. You can deny it. You can say, I don't want the gift. You can say, well, you know, you can throw the gift away. You could re-gift it. Maybe some of you all got a bad gift. You already plan on re-gifting it. Um, But these are gifts that God gave you, the gifts of the Spirit. Don't deny the gifts of the Spirit. Alexander Nicholas found a couple of gifts in a package Somewhere in the house that we didn't open at Christmas, they came to me last night and said, hey, we found these extra gifts, can we open them? I said, not right now, we'll do it later. And they, then they came back to me in about another 15 minutes, they came back for another 15 minutes and said, my Lord, open it. But what they had found, they had found some gifts that belonged to them that they hadn't opened. I'm shocked that the people who come to God's house who realize that God has given you gifts, but they don't want the gifts. They don't want to open the gifts. They, they, they don't want the gifts that God has given. The gifts of the Spirit And the the fruit of the Spirit, we need all of them operating in our life and in our family. You need the Holy Spirit more in your house than this house. You do. Because the reality is you spend more time in your world than you do this one. And until the presence of God really begins to move and manifest in your home, you could literally pervert the use of the church and use it as a means of escapism to avoid the realities and issues within your own home that you don't want to confront. We love you. But you cannot live here. And at the end of the service, we want you to go home. (laughs) More importantly, we want you to want to go home. Because it's a terrible thing to have to go someplace you don't want to go. And that's why you need the presence of God operating and the gifts of God operating in your home. You know, all throughout the Old Testament, it was all about giving God gifts, giving God gifts. Write these verses down, Psalm 68, 18, and 19. It says, you have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men. See, The Old Testament is all about us bringing God gifts, like we had to bring God sacrifices. Can you imagine you got to bring a sacrifice in here? Can you imagine you got to bring a lamb in here today? I mean, my God, it's hard enough trying to get yourself and the kids dressed. Now you got to go out in the yard and rustle and lasso a lamb, strap it to the top of the Honda, and then try and drag it in here. And then it got hurt, and now you messed it up. Now you got to go back and get another one. I mean, can you imagine the, the smell and everything we got to go through, and you, all over your clothes, and you're the kids, and the lamb? And it's just that's what you had to do. Some of y'all can't come to church, just get yourself dressed. Now you got to get the lamb and drag it up in here. I mean, that's what they had. It was all about them bringing gifts to God and hoping in faith that God would receive it because we had sinned, we were flawed, we had messed up. But we're believing God. Hopefully he'll receive this and, and this blood of this lamb will be atonement for our sins. We're believing, we're hoping, we don't know. Hopefully this happens. It was all about us bringing God gifts. But in the New Testament, look at this with me, Ephesians 4, 7 and 8 says, but to each one of us, uh, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. So all throughout the Old Testament, it was about us giving God gifts, but the New Testament is about God giving us gifts. Somebody say amen about that. Amen. that, that like I said, in Old Testament, he received gifts from men, but in the New Testament, he gives gifts two men. Luke 17, 13, you've heard this verse before. It says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will our heavenly father uh, give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? You know, it says, if you being evil, see the the Bible's just real, just you're evil, you're evil. (laughs) And if you know how to give good gifts, see the Bible calls you evil and wicked. I was telling I taught this the other week in the teenagers, uh, when, we're, when we're speaking to teenagers, because there's this, there's this lie being perpetuated in the world today that you're a good person. You're, you're a right person because you didn't say what was true and you let people identify however they wanted to identify. And, and if they're a man today or woman tomorrow or a, a turtle on Thursday or a rabbit on Friday, you didn't say anything. And so you're a good person because you didn't say anything. that. That's a lie. You're not a good person. You're not, a, first of all, none of you, including me are good. The Bible says there's none good but the Father. Actually, Jesus said that. There's none good but the Father. That was his response when they said, Jesus, you're good. He says there's none good but the Father. And if Jesus says it, well, I'm sure we're not. So, so this, whole, this whole lie of like this, this false narrative of you're really good, you're not good. You're not good. I know you can't say amen about that because you've been told that you're, you're just lovable. God loves me because I'm just lovable. I'm just so lovable. So he just loves me. I don't sin. I just It was an oopsie whoopsie. I had a little oopsie whoopsie. I just oopsie whoopsie once in a while. So he just loves me because I'm so lovable. I'm just a good person. Everybody loves me. I'm just lovable. You're not, you're not good. The Bible says, even, even his people, he says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked way. God said, His people who are called by his name got wicked ways. God told on us. And there's this, there's this sense, because once you think you're good, then you can look at other people and go, Oh, well, they're they're bad. Look what they did. I'm not doing that, so I'm good. I'm good, they're bad. I'm right they're wrong. No, see see the world has this lie of like everybody's going to heaven however they want to go. Everybody's going to heaven. We don't believe that. We believe everybody's going to hell unless they get saved. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we worship him because he saved us from our sins. Because we are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. John 4, 7, and 12 talks about the Samaritan woman who came to get a drink. And Jesus says, you know, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink. He was trying to see her heart. See, a lot of times when you ask God to do things, if God does it, he's trying to see your heart. It's like the blind man who, uh, who heard Jesus was passing by. Let me teach you a principle, and then we'll get ready to go. I'm starving. But uh, there's, this, there's a principle in, in the word of God. Jesus was passing by, and this blind man heard. The Bible says he heard that Jesus was passing by, and he began to yell out for Jesus. So he's like, Jesus! Hey, Jesus! Jesus! And the disciples were, like, embarrassed about it. They're like, dude, shut up. Like, you're, you know, you're messing up, Jesus. You know, like, don't bother Jesus. You're like this stupid blind person. Shut up. And the, these were church people. See, church people will rob you. Oh Lord, I could preach a whole sermon on. Church people will rob you of what God what God could do in your life. Don't be listening. And, and the more they try to shut him up, the Bible says the more he yelled. I mean, he just became crazy, just screaming in the name of Jesus, Jesus, like just going nuts, right? Till he finally got Jesus' attention. And. Oh, I could just preach on that whole thing. But he, he, got, he got Jesus' attention because he used what he had against what he didn't have. See, he couldn't see, but he could hear, and he could talk. See, how you get miracles is you got to use what you have against what you don't. you got to use what you have against what you don't. God never does miracles through what you lost. He only does miracles through what you have left. So, so quit crying about the people you lost. The miracle is not in who, who you lost. The miracle is not in the money you lost. The miracle is not in the years that you lost. The miracle is not in the people that you lost. The miracle is in the time you have left. It's within the money that you have left. It's within the years that you have left. God's not going to do the miracle through who, left, through who, who you lost. He's going to do the miracle through who's left. you got five loaves and two fish left. You got enough oil to bake one cake left. And because they knew what they had, their mill barrel never ran dry. So you got to know what you got left. I go to people and say, What do you need God to do? How much money do you need? I just need $10 million. Well, who doesn't need $10 million? (laughs) How much money do you need? I need $37,527.18. That's what you need to know. And once you, know what you, once you know what you have left, see, that's why you got to have something left. Profit is what's left. you got to have something left. That's why when Jesus fed everybody, he, he gave them 12 baskets left. And they took what was left on the boat. And Jesus told them to cross the other side. And when they got on the, the water, a storm came. Y'all know the Bible. See, that's why y'all need to come to Sunday school. If you're looking at me like, what, it, what? The storm came. They were on the boat, and, and when and when it was over, Jesus got onto them. He rebuked them. He said, "Oh, ye of little faith! You know why he got onto them? He got onto them because because they were in a storm, freaking out, and what was around them? The twelve baskets. They were standing." next to their last miracle, and they had the last miracle at their feet and were scared of the current storm. See, God will give you, you gotta take what was left from the last miracle into the next storm for the next miracle and take what's left of that one into the next miracle and take what was left of that one into the next miracle and that's why he told him, take 12 baskets and put it on the boat with you into the next storm. So when you got on the storm, you could say, Look, the same God that delivered us from that storm will deliver us from this storm. That, that's, that's how you build your faith. Am I helping somebody? Is y'all getting anything out of this? That's how you build your faith. And this guy cried out Je- to Jesus. Come play something for me, so I'll shut up. He he, he cried out to Jesus. He said, Jesus, our son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus came over to him. Jesus healed him. And then Jesus made this statement that was just, if you don't, if you don't think about the statement, you just read over it. But Jesus made this statement. He said, he said you're healed. Now go your way. He said, go do whatever you want to do. You're healed. Go. And, and then the Bible makes this, this quick statement. It says, immediately he followed Jesus in the way. So Jesus tells him to go his way, but he follows Jesus in the way. You see, that statement, can I just play with that? Just just give me two minutes to play with that statement. He, see, most people think that Jesus healed him so that he could see Jesus. But Jesus didn't heal him so he could see Jesus. Jesus healed him so that Jesus could see him. Jesus healed him so that he could see his heart now that you have gotten what you want out of this relationship you're free to go go do whatever you want to do and his heart was to follow him he decided not to go his own way he decided to follow in the way see my question to all of you is once you get from god what you want once you get out of the relationship what you want out of the relationship with him are you going to go your way or do you follow him in the way? It's like people, I've been pastoring 18 years, and I see people you know, come to the altar and cry and beg and plead and ask God to do things in life, and then God does it, and where'd they go? What happened to them? I ain't seen them in six months. Because once they got what they wanted out of the relationship, they went their way. Because God will always give you the opportunity to go your way. And the, the key is, do you go your way or do you follow him in the way? It's like when Jesus healed the 10 lepers and only one came back to say, thank you. And, but Jesus never told him to come back. He said, you're healed, go show yourself to the priest. But one came back, but Jesus must've thought, I hope they all come back. He must've thought that because when the one came back, he asked the question, where are the other nine? Why did he ask about the other nine? And then, unless he was hoping that they would come back. See, once you get out of church or your relationship with God, what you want, would you go your way or would you follow him in the way? How you follow him is receiving the gifts that he's given you, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can't purchase them. Acts 8 talks about how Simon the sorcerer tried to buy buy the gifts of the Spirit because he saw Paul using it. People were being healed and delivered. He was a sorcerer. a lot of money and he said he said i want to buy this let me buy this and paul looked at him and said "Your, your money perish with you let your money die with you because you thought you could buy the gifts of god with money the anointing costs what it costs and it doesn't go on sale you have to pay the full price and it is a relationship with jesus See, if I only spend time with God because I wanted him to use me, or only spend time with God because I want him to do miracles through me, that would be a perversion of my relationship. God wants you to spend time with him because you just want to spend time with him. And when it comes to time, it's not about the minutes, it's about the moments. If you're in church right now, you're counting one of two things. You're counting the minutes you've been here or the moments you've encountered since you've been here. And when it comes to God, God's not after minutes with you. He's after moments with you. You count minutes or you count moments. It's not about, oh, well, you know, if I do this or do that or do that, it's about a moment. I've been married to Pastor Joanne for 17 years, and I cannot give you an account for every minute, but I can tell you about moments. All that matters in life is the moments at your funeral one day, you know what they're going to talk about? Moments. They're going to talk about how many moments you gave away. They're going to talk about they're not they're going to talk about what you have. We're not we will not talk about your checking account, your stocks, mutual funds, 401k. You know what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about the part of you you gave away. The part of you that you sacrificed. That's what we're going to talk about. All that's in life is the moments. When you come into God's house, don't ever be worried about the minutes. Always focus on the moments. When you're with God, I was driving down 35W a few months ago and was going through something. I was just talking to God and the Holy Spirit just came in the car. I started crying so hard I couldn't see. I had to pull over the side of the road. The Holy Spirit just came, sat down in the car with me. I had a moment with God, probably five minutes. Maybe it was five minutes, I don't know. But I had a moment. I came home, I didn't tell Joanne about the five minutes. You know what I told her about? The moment. Run after moments with God. Have moments with God in your home. Have moments with God with your children. Have moments. And you're gonna to have to cultivate those moments. You have to cultivate it. They don't naturally grow. You have to cultivate things that don't naturally grow. Tomato plants don't naturally grow in your yard either. You gotta cultivate them. Come on, right? You gotta cultivate that. Cultivating means I have to, I'm gonna, I'm going to have something grow that wouldn't naturally grow. You know what's gonna naturally grow? Yelling, envy, strife, frustration, weeds. What will grow when nothing else will grow? a weed, but if you want to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit, you're going to have to, you have to make room for that in your home, make room for that in your week. That's why we're doing the 100-day challenge, to cultivate the fruit of God in your life. It's not the fruits of the Spirit, by the way, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's one fruit. It's like an apple, it's crunchy, it's sweet, it's juicy, it's a lot of descriptions, but it's one fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. So you don't have love and not have joy. You can't say, I spend time with God and I've got all this joy, but I don't love anybody. Well, no, that's not, it don't work like that. It's one fruit. It has it all. It's all in that fruit. And when you spend time with God, you have all of those, not a few. You have all of them. They all come at once from spending time with God. Can I get an amen? It's not the fruits, it's fruit. It's one fruit. There's no S the fruit of the spirit and that's our prayer for all of you is that you would begin to realize that God wants to bring these gifts into your life and gifts are given to be used anytime you give somebody a gift they never use it you feel funny about it because gifts are given to be used you get some out of this today come on give God a big praise